Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. Have you been abducted by the love farce of Hollywood? It has been said that Adobe photoshopped pictures of models have given both men and women a false expectation of human beauty and has falsely defined what we expect ourselves and of our spouse to look like. Well, so too, Hollywood has given us a false expectation of what our relationship and love life is supposed to look like. What is the true spiritual power of love that we can expect from our relationships? Are there different levels of love that we can expect dependent on different levels of our investment of energy, time, mind, and heart? If so, what are these different levels of love and what investment does each demand of us? This lecture is going to take us to a story of the great composer of the Holy Zohar and from it we will have a true insight to the power of love and how to experience its magic in our lives. Our sages tell us of a story where the world was in need of rain and they came before Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai known as the Rashbi. And through his expounding upon the verse, a song of a sense of David, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers also to dwell together, rain descended. Let me just begin by sharing that this Sunday, the 18th day of Ir, known as Lagba Omer, is the anniversary of the day of passing of the Rashbi. It is called Lagba Omer because in the 45th, nine days in between the day, first day of Passover and the holiday of Shavuot, we are commanded to count the days of the Oma. The Hebrew letters for Lag is the numerical value of 33, for this day is the 33rd day of the counting of the Omer. Omer is a measurement and refers to an, off, an offering that was brought in the Holy Temple from an Omer of the new crop on the second day of the Passover. This is the reason why the mystical teaching of the Rebbe on Lagba Omer in the year 1962 is based upon this verse in Psalms and the story of the Rashbi bringing rain to the world through expounding upon this verse. This verse is explained to refer to the love among the Jewish people here below and as the love between God and the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, our sages teach us the Torah speaks of the celestial and hints to the terrestrial. Thus the Torah is speaking particularly of the love above between God and the Jewish people, which descends into manifesting itself as the love amongst the Jewish people themselves. Even more so, the love of a physical groom and bride in engagement and in marriage, which is hinted in the verse, is possible only because of its source, which is the love of God, our groom, and the Jewish people, God's bride, in the spiritual realms of heaven. Thus we must first explore the verse on its spiritual level of love above and then from there understand the way the verse manifests itself in the physical love among us here below. Another introduction needed for this lecture is the multi-layers of reality. This lecture is going to explore these multi-layers and thus I will give a brief description of the multi-layers of realms of reality that we will encounter in this lecture. The realm of reality that we are most familiar with is called Ma'aseh Bereshit, which means the works of Genesis. 
This refers to the realm of reality that was created in the six days of creation. On a Kabbalistic level, this refers also to God's wisdom with which God created the universe. Thus, all of the laws of nature as they are defined by God are all part of Maseh Bereshit. Thus, for example, when the verse in Genesis states, And a mist ascended from the earth and watered the entire surface of the ground, this refers to the wisdom of God that God implanted within the DNA of Maseh Bereshit. Then there is the realm of reality that is defined by the rules of Torah. The realm of reality is higher and more powerful than the realm of Maaseh Bereshit. And it was through the power of the realm of Torah that our sages in the Talmud performed their miracles, imposing the reality of the laws of Torah upon the laws of nature. For example, the Talmud tells of how the sage Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair was on his way to save someone who was taken prisoner, when he came to a river that was blocking his way. Rabbi Pinchas commanded the waters to split before him. And when the water refused, Rabbi Pinchas defined for the ministering angel of the water the ruling of the Torah with which, if the water refuses to listen, Rabbi Pinchas can stop water from flowing into this river. The river then split for him. There is the realm of reality as it exists within the infinite light, blessed be he to which all definitions and laws of reality are all arbitrary, willed so, and could be as easily unwilled. We are taught that man is the microscopic world, and that all that God created in his universe, God also created within man. On a mystical level, this teaching tells us that we have the power to connect with all the dimensions of the universe. Even deeper yet, we have the power to connect with all the realms of reality through finding them and the service thereof within us. What this means is that through different forms of service to God, we connect the different realms of reality. As for example, the story of the Talmud that we spoke of. Through Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair's service of Torah study, with humility, that the words of God in the Torah spoke to the river through Rabbi Pinchas. Thus, A. Rabbi Pinchas studied diligently and became a master of Torah knowledge, and B, Rabbi Pinchas studied with absolute humility, and therefore the words of God's Torah spoke through him. With this, we will now speak of man's power to change the physical reality. Generally speaking, we find two tools of service through which God gave man the power to change reality. A, prayer, and B, blessing. For those who were given the power to bless. For example, God gave Abraham the power of blessing to bless those who Abraham saw fit. Abraham gave it to Isaac, and then Isaac gave it to Jacob. We find that the power of blessing has been handed down to many throughout the generations, and these individuals served as conduits for God's blessing to people in, the, in need. Let us explore the difference between these two tools of changing the present physical reality. The power, the power of blessings is A. Definite. However, B. It can only bring forth that which is already in existence above and needs to be brought down into the physical life of the individual. For example, when Jacob blessed his grandchildren Menashe and Ephraim, he crossed his hands and placed his stronger right hand on the head of the younger son Ephraim and his weaker left hand on the head of the elder son Menashe. Their father Joseph cried out, Father, not so, as he tried to lift Jacob's hands. 
Jacob responded, I know, my son, I know, the younger will be greater than the older. Why didn't Jacob change this and bless Menashe to be the greater one? Jacob was at the time in the power of blessing, and blessings can only draw down that which is already above. Thus Jacob acted upon the way he saw what was destined from above. Was Jacob to have been in the power of prayer? Jacob could have changed the reality, even from the way it was prescribed above in heaven. The power of prayer is a indefinite, b the, I'm sorry, the person praying isn't certain that his prayers will be answered. However, B, the power of prayer can affect things that don't even exist above. This is why the words, Yehiratzon, may it be your will, are frequently used in prayer. The power of prayer is that even if the will of God is that one should be sick, God forbid, and therefore the person is sick, through prayer we create a Yehiratzon, through which we change God's will, and now there is God's will for the person to be healthy, and we experience the person physically recovering from being sick to being healthy. The reason why prayer has this ability is because of a verse in Job. You desire the work of your hands, which means that God's deepest desire is to see the work performed by what was created by God's hands, namely man, people. This is why, specifically, the service of man praying from the depths of his heart is what reaches into the ultimate power of the infinite light, blessed be he, where all that is willed is arbitrary and can be replaced with a new will. Now that we understand the difference between the power of prayer and the power of blessing, we can explore what the Rashbi did when through mystic, expounding mystical Torah teachings, he brought rain to an undeserving world. For starters, in a general basis, Torah studies compared to the power of blessings brought down from above through the word of God rather than through the word of man in his heartfelt prayers to God. This leads us to a problem. We are taught that at the time of the story, the world was undeserving of rain, even within the Torah realm of reality. This is why we don't find that the Rashbi's Torah words carry any reference of Torah reasoning for the world to be deserving of rain, unlike Rabbi Pinchas's words to the river, which do hint upon Torah reasoning for the river to split for Rabbi Pinchas. Plus, we explain that the power of blessings is only capable to draw down into the physical world that which already exists above in the spiritual world. Thus, how did the Rashbi bring down rain to the world through the words of Torah? The answer is that unlike Rabbi Pinchas and all the other sages who performed miracles through the power of Torah, the Rashbi's Torah study entered into another dimension of power, which carried within it both powers, that of the certainty of a blessing and that of prayer's power to create a new supreme will and physical change. The, to fully understand this, we must understand one more difference between the power of the set standard of Torah study, blessing, and between the power of prayer. That, then we will fully see the unprecedented power of the Rashbi's Torah study, the composer of Zohar, setting the foundation for Jewish mysticism of Kabbalah and Hasidus. 
We explained that the reason that the power of prayer is greater than that of blessing and that of Torah study in its power to change and create that which doesn't exist in the spiritual realms and in the supernal will of God is based upon the verse, you desire the work of your hands. Torah study isn't the work of our hands. Rather, our diligent effort in Torah study is to understand the Word of God that came from above through Moses, all of the prophets, and through the sages who extrapolated from the written law in accordance with the rules of Torah extrapolation taught to us by Moses. Prayer isn't so. And just to clarify this, it is important to understand that the heart of prayer, which is the Amida, also known as the Shemona Esrei, is not a God-given prayer. It was only after the Babylonian exile when the sages saw how the Jewish people had lost the inner makings and dialogue of prayer that they set up this all-inclusive te all text of prayer. Until then, each person prayed to God within their, uh, with their own words blazing forth from the depths of their minds and hearts. Thus prayer truly is the words and service of man that he brings before God. Additionally, even after we have the precise format and text of prayer as laid out by the sages, nevertheless, our sages direct us, When you pray, do not make your prayers routine, but an entreaty of mercy and a supplication before the Almighty. This then leads us to another effect of the power of prayer. The first difference speaks of which spiritual realm we reach through our tools in which Torah study reaches into the finite descriptive linear realm of supernal wisdom and while prayer reaches into the infinite circular arbitrary realm of the supernal will. However, is there also a difference of impact upon the person, the recipient? Allow me to explain. When we speak of the tools God gave us to be able to function and live within the higher spiritual realms of reality, and from there to be able to create changes in our physical realm of spirituality, this does not only carry into how high up we can spiritually reach, but it also demands of us to work on what heights of reality we can absorb here below. If we can reach that which we cannot physically absorb, then we are creating only spiritual changes for ourselves which can't physically manifest. Thus the power of prayer must affect that we be able to absorb that which is created by the infinite arbitrary powers of the supernal will, if we are to remain the person who only functions upon the cause and effect process of the wisdom of Master Baratius, or even of the supernal wi the wisdom of Torah, then we are not able to absorb that of the arbitrary infinite supernal will. In supernal will, the cause does not control the effect, which of course is the definition of the word arbitrary. The personal effects of prayer, because prayers must be an entreaty of mercy from the heart and mind of the person praying, it demands a refinement of the person, and primarily in the ego of the person. Prayer demands an abandonment of self-will and a surrender to God and to God's supernal will. This physical difference in our psyche is what opens us up to unconditionally absorbing that which infinitely exists in the arbitrary realm of the supernal will. We can now explore the unique powers of Rashbi's unprecedented Torah study of the esoteric spiritual teachings called the soul of the Torah, Kabbalah, and the soul of the soul of the Torah, Chassidus.
what we must find here is a the power of reaching beyond the systematic definition of the supernal wisdom of Torah and into this arbitrary supernal will b the power of affecting us to be able to absorb the changes possible only in the supernal will realm of reality at the same time c we need to find the certainty of the change as we do in a blessing and in standard Torah study. The study of the revealed Torah, as in the Talmud, for example, is the study of A, a methodological system of logic and perception, B, focused on its manifestation of law and rules in the physical realm of reality, and C, is driven by a spiritual cause and effect of, and if you shall walk in my statutes. The study of the hidden Torah, as in Kabbalah and Hasidus, for example, demands A, a shedding of our human intellect's grasp of reality, B, is focused on the divine and the supernal, and C, carries within it a revealed presence of the infinite light. The very word Talmud means to engage in study, and the very word Kabbalah means to open ourselves up to receive, likabel, Kabbalah, receive. Thus, the Rashbi's realm of Torah study was beyond the systematic realm of the supernal wisdom of Torah and existed within the revelation of the infinite light of the supernal will. This is just as the power of prayer, which is the, you desire the work of your hands, in which we explain that God's desire is within God's infinite arbitrary supernal will, the infinite light. The power of the Rashbi's hidden Torah study reached to the heights that prayer reaches and thus solicited the same power of creating a change within the supernal will, not restricted by the laws of cause and effect. And therefore, it rained even when the world did not deserve the rain. So too, I just want to mention that being that it is Torah, and not prayer, therefore it carries even the certainty of the response of a blessing and of Torah study. Now, how about the power of changing the recipient, opening him up to being able to absorb the infinite light of the supernal will? Does the Rashbi's Torah study carry this as well? Let us see. To understand the effect, change, and refinement that the Rashbi's in, that the Rashbi invoked within the recipient, we will now return to the verse upon which the Rashbi chose to deliver his teaching of the hidden Torah. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers also to dwell together, upon which we quoted the teaching of our sages that this verse refers to the love between God and the Jewish people, from which descends the love of the Jewish people among ourselves. Why is it that the verse is being repetitive in speaking of the dwelling of brothers, meaning love and togetherness, and then goes on to say, also dwell together? What does it mean by also, if that is the whole point of pointing out the pleasantry of brothers dwelling? This is why our sages extrapolate that we are speaking of two levels of love between God and the Jewish people, and in effect, of the love among Jewish people themselves. The dwelling of brothers refer to the connection between a groom and bride engaged, while the words also dwell together refer to the unity of marriage. There is a big difference between connection and unity. 
connection denotes two separate people connected, in which there are many different layers and levels of connection. There is a connection of business partners, family, etc., in which the connection can be limited to certain common interests. Unity, in the sense of total union, denotes that the two have become wholly one. The reason why there is any sort of blockage between that which is spiritual above and its manifesting itself in the physical realm below is because of the separation that exists between the above and the below, between the physical and the spiritual. Where does this separation come from if everything is God and God is everything? The answer is that on the realm of the wisdom of Ma'asebereshit, and even on the realm of the supernal wisdom of Torah, there are definitions which in turn demand boundaries. Wisdom is a tool that grasps things through their definitions, which then becomes separate categories of things. Wisdom allows for connections and common denominators among different categories, which, however, will be limited. It is only with the, within the power of the arbitrary, infinite, supernal will, the infinite light, to have total unity among all the different realms of reality, unlimited by any of the realms, capacity, or definition. This is what the Rashbi was evoking within the love between God and the Jewish people, that it not just be a connection, but a unity, not limited to the definition of, and if you will walk in my statutes, but an unconditional love, that it not just be an engagement among two separate people, but of a oneness of the unity of marriage. Once there is the unconditional love, oneness, unity, and marriage between God and the Jewish people, there are no more the boundaries between the infinite light of the supernal will and of the finite physical realm. And thus, we become open to absorbing that which can only unconditionally change and become within the arbitrary supernal will. A Jew reaches these heights through the study of the hidden Torah, in which there is the revelation of the infinite light. Now let us look at how a Jew reaches these heights, but I'm sorry, now let us look not at how a Jew reaches these heights, but of how one physically absorbs and is affected by these heights. Let us look at part of what the Rashbi said in his teaching, and I'm going to quote these words to you. Even those who originally were engaging in war and were wanting to kill each other, afterwards lived in love and brotherhood. That's a direct quote from the teaching of the Rashbi upon this verse. Taking this a level deeper, it is through our living in love among ourselves that we bring into the physical realm the unconditional love between God and the Jewish people. See how deep this goes. Our sages teach us that there are three which are tied, knotted one to another. God, Torah, and in Israel. God is tied with the Torah, which is tied with the Jewish people, and therefore it is through Torah that God is tied and connected with the Jewish people. However, this teaching speaks of three knots, and in the equation there are only two knots that tie together three beings. Thus our sages reveal to us that once Israel ties itself to God through the Torah, God then ties and knots himself directly to the Jewish people, that's the third knot, unconditionally and therefore unlimited even by the supernal wisdom 
of Torah. This is what we reveal within our physical realm of reality when we open ourselves up to not only being connected to one another, but to being in total unconditionally, unconditional unity among ourselves. For this is the power of love, which opens us up to absorbing the physical experiencing, to physically, I'm sorry, let's read that again. For this is the power of love, which opens us up to absorbing and physically experiencing the physical changes possible only within the magic of the infinite light of the supernal will. Here too, to be able to open ourselves up to unconditional love beyond the right and wrong and the cause and effects upon a relationship, we need to study not only the supernal wisdom of the revealed Torah, but to also study and see each other through the eyes of the supernal will of the hidden Torah. In closing, the practical message of this lecture is quite clear. However, I will take a moment to spell out what this lecture is demanding of us to do on a daily basis if we are to experience the magical physical impact of the power of unconditional love. Every person is entitled to opinions, and even those opinions that we represent as facts. More so, everybody is entitled to armor his or her opinions with clearly quoted facts of the Torah as to what is right, wrong, a blessing, or an abomination. However, what no one, absolutely no one but God alone can do is to carry over our opinions from speaking about issues to speaking about or to judging people. There is but one judge in heaven who speaks about and judges people. And even that one God says, quote, erase sins and not sinners. To love unconditionally does not mean to agree upon all issues. It does not even mean to be tolerant of all opinions upon issues. What it does mean, however, is that we absolutely love even the person who has an opinion that we cannot tolerate. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.